0: Hi everyone. Before we get to today's homily, just a quick commercial here. This Tuesday is Giving Tuesday, the international campaign that encourages people to donate to different charities and causes. Our Newman Catholic Center at Montclair State University is hoping to raise $35,000 for our annual Christmas appeal, and we're going to kick off this fundraiser with this Giving Tuesday. So we would appreciate your considering to support us. And if you're interested, you can donate online by just going to redhawkcatholic.com. And on the top right corner, there's a donate button that you can click on and that will take you to a PayPal link. If you would rather send a check, uh, you can check out the information on our page for more information about that. Thanks so much for considering, and we appreciate your support. My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. With your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will set upon his glorious throne, and all the nations will be assembled before him. And he will separate them one from another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. You place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. A stranger and you welcomed me. Naked and you clothed me. Ill and you cared for me. In prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you ill, or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of the least brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, and to the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food, I was thirsty and you gave me no drink, a stranger and you gave me no welcome, naked and you gave me no clothing, ill and in prison and you did not care for me. Then they will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or ill, or in prison, and not minister to your needs? He will answer them, Amen, I say to you, what you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment the righteous to eternal life. The gospel of the Lord. Near death experiences. Those three words can generate tremendous interest from the most Devout of believers to the greatest skeptics. This past month, there's been some extensive coverage to this phenomenon of near-death experiences, or NDEs as they're often called, first with this documentary that was entitled After Life, being released in movie theaters around the world, and then on the Catholic app for, for smartphones called Hallow, sharing this seven-part series on this very topic. And both shared stories of individuals who experienced physical death where all clinical evidence concluded the person was no longer alive, but they came back to life fully recovered and were able to share some amazing things about what they experienced and they saw. Some things these people back from the dead shared were empirically verifiable, describing people, places, and things happening in and around them as they were quote unquote dead they shouldn't have been able to know about, let alone remember and recount. Then there were other things that these witnesses shared which touched on the most profound hopes and beliefs that Christians hold about the afterlife. Scientists and medical experts interviewing some of the 8 million people over the last 50 years who've had NDEs and doing further research and comparing and sharing their findings with one another, are able to give some fascinating insights into the afterlife. These investigators usually find some some common characteristics that include the miraculous circumstances surrounding these incidents and how often they align with, with biblical writings and teachings of our faith. The fact that people of all ages from different backgrounds and cultures were all able to share stories and that they were able to find so many similarities makes this field of NDEs something that continues to expand interest in the topic but also adds more credibility to their study as well. Listening to those who've had positive experiences where they are seemingly experiencing heaven, they will qualify things by saying that earthly words And images can never adequately explain it, but they try to use words like love and peace, beauty, light, to describe their their memories of their time there. It's intriguing though hearing the the frustration of these individuals who've returned from their the afterlife experience as they, they rattle off those descriptors because they sense that people listening to them will think that they know what they mean or that they were going to be able to understand the extent of what they experienced by attributing their own list of hopes and characteristics that they kind of attach to them kind of treating this like a blank canvas to project things onto and that's where you hear people who like to imagine heaven seeing it as the most peaceful and luxurious of vacations the, obviously the absence of pain and stress The greatest of reunions, the most opulent of residences, extravagant of feasts, without concern over how many calories you've taken in, and so on. And there are more than enough scriptural references that that can feed into those ideas for sure as well, which results in these expectations that appeal to everyone on some level. But heaven is much more than just this incredible feast that's all paid for, that never ends, and where our every want and need is supplied. Scripture reminds us that it goes far beyond our earthly hopes and expectations. The prophet Isaiah once wrote, and St. Paul will quote him in one of his letters, saying, No ear has ever heard, no eye ever seen, any God but you working such deeds for those who wait for him. Today's scriptures are, are meant to help us imagine heaven as more than just this divinely appointed resort, touching far more important needs and desires. The first reading kind of helps set the stage for that. This portion from the prophet Ezekiel is kind of fascinating because for a majority of the 40 chapters of the book of this Bible, which covers about 20 years of Jewish history, we hear the prophet kind of begging the people on God's behalf to to repentance, calling them out of the corruption and the hypocrisy that's overtaken the religious leaders and warning of the, the downfall of the temple. And after all that sinfulness And destruction and loss after God has condemned those shepherds who had taken advantage of his sheep, who ruled harshly and ignored and maligned them. God not only denounces those shepherds, but he promises over and over and over again he's gonna address those abuses and he's gonna take over to properly shepherd, to restore, to heal, to love his sheep. In those five short verses, we hear ten times God setting things right, bringing his vision to fulfillment as he says over and over these I will promises. Think about what he said. I myself will look after and tend. So will I tend. I will rescue. I myself will pasture. I myself will give rest. The strayed I will bring back. The injured I will bind up. The sick I will heal, the sleek and strong I will destroy, I will judge. This had been God's intention all along, but God's people had had whined. They wanted to be like every other empire and have an earthly king. And sadly, they experienced the result of looking to human beings and worldly things for fulfillment after one example of imperfection after another. So these words of the prophet coming six centuries before Jesus' birth would have been hard to imagine even for Ezekiel himself. How's God gonna be both a shepherd and a king? What would that tell us about life? What's most important and essential in life, this life and the eternal life? That's why the prophet's words are paired with this gospel reading today. Jesus gives us the path to encountering him and experiencing his reign right here and now, as well as giving us insights into eternal life as he tells us, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. A stranger and you welcomed me. Naked and you clothed me. Ill and you cared for me. In prison and you visited me. Too often, I think, when we hear this gospel, we can kind of treat it like this checklist for us to try to navigate. And we can get uncomfortable hearing the gospel pastors thinking Jesus is giving us this to-do list on top of our already very busy-packed list. And we can argue, doesn't he know how hungry and thirsty I am? How often I was a stranger and no one welcomed me. I work hard to pay a lot for my clothes. And sure, I, I care about the sick and the imprisoned, but I'm not Mother Teresa. I could never do what she did. But Jesus isn't asking us to be Mother Teresa. But to learn from her, yes. And now that she's this saint in heaven, do we imagine heaven for her is reclining on a beach chair in the sun with sunglasses on? I mean, the whole image is just ridiculous to me. That it would be some sort of an imposition on her reward for this good life. That the perfection of heaven would be ruined by someone bothering her, begging for food, for drink, for welcome, for clothes. That she would be bothered by someone looking for healing or attention. The reality was she found the reward. She experienced the perfection of eternal life the more she emptied herself and gave to others. Her suffering in this life was most often connected to whatever limitations prevented her ability to do more. That she had physical limitations like every one of us does. And that as much of a giant as she was as a living saint to so many of us, she was also spiritually limited here on earth. But she knew the shepherd, she knew the king she knew jesus and so she simply gave until she had nothing left to give she became lost in him in his vision and in his reign she never expected every single person to to follow her example and drop everything and just move to calcutta and do what she did but she did want us to follow her example in allowing jesus's reign to impact our lives And you hear her encouragement and her observations as she often gave these very short, simple lessons that capture and gently guide us to do the same thing. Here's some examples. Not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. We fear the future because we're wasting today. Every time you smile at someone, it's an action of love, a gift to that person, a beautiful thing. The most terrible poverty is loneliness and the feeling of being unloved. It's not how much we give, but how much love we put into giving. Do not think that love, in order to be genuine, has to be extraordinary. What we need is to love without getting tired. A life not lived for others is not a life. If you cannot feed a 100 people, then feed just one. And finally, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. Mother Teresa constantly deflected the vastness of her reach and her own personal example by just constantly reminding us of these basics, teaching us how the gospel is attainable to everyone. It's accessible in each of our states of life, and it springs from the most seemingly basic and simple movements in our everyday lives. And ultimately, that's what's at the heart of today's gospel, Because when we sit with Jesus' words from this parable and we just let those words penetrate our hearts, we're not being challenged to go up and down this list and check off how can we possibly defend that we fulfilled that obligation or not. The parable is meant for us just to be basic and local with what we have, with where we are. How are we living as people being obedient to Christ the King? Jesus tells us that his reign is going to be realized when all those who are struggling find assistance. Those who are lost and isolated are found and welcomed. Those who are experiencing pain find relief and comfort. And when we set about doing those basic things, we stop imagining heaven. We begin to experience it here and now.